0: Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? lower utility costs, and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call G-Team Mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance.
1: This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems. A smart choice in home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan the month of May is just about to get underway as we're ready to take the green flag for the GMR Grand Prix. Off that final turn, headed toward the start-finish line, green flag is in the air, and the GMR Grand Prix has to turn number one. A great jump for the pole center, Christian Lutgaard. Everyone cheering this field of 27, the big mover, Alex Pillow on those alternate red tires. He'll have the inside line, Lundgaard nearly pushes him off, but Alex Pillow able to keep himself on track. The leader is Christian Lundgaard, guard. He has Pillow just behind him. Then about 10 car before you get to Jack Harvey. That's the way they run now through turn number 12. guard. now. Pillow going to try to sneak to the inside. Alex Pillow into the lead as they work their way now to turn number 14. And Alex Pillow has gotten to the lead off of turn number 13 and they go nose to tail off of turn number 14. Here comes Alex Pillow. A strong move into turn number one. Lungard's Reds are used up. Alex Pillow makes a look to the inside and he'll make it look easy. Alex Pillow back to the point here in turn number one. He'll swing through turn number two and get about a four car length advantage over Christian Lundgaard. Michael Young, a battle for the second position. Yeah, it looks like Pato award got a nice run on Christian Lundgaard down home of Boulevard.
0: Uh, that's a great pickup, Michael. Pato has been starting to chew into that disadvantage, and he got to the inside and cleared Christian Lundgaard easily. So the driver from Mexico shoots his way to second, Jake, as he
1: streaks away to the essence. The closer battle is that battle for third. Christian Lundgaard once again, the Dane makes it look easy through turns 5 and 6 but Alexander Rossi gets a great charge
0: yeah boy he really did, he's within a car length, this may be the opportunity right in the wake, right in the draft, Rossi's going to move to the inside, Lungard looked like he tried to throw a block but Rossi was
1: too quick to the inside and he'll clear him into turn number 7, Alex Pullo, a dominant run, he led 53 laps on the day, he goes to victory lane by 16 seconds over Pato Award,
0: what a weekend it's been for us, we've been really fast since the beginning kudos to these guys, uh, we've been really close at IMS, always, even on the road course, but we didn't really have the luck or or we didn't execute as we had to, but today everything went super smooth. Uh, Strategy wasn't easy, honestly. Uh, We knew that we were not strong on the reds, that's why we wanted to go out at the beginning and take those off uh, and everything worked. As IndyCar races go, that's pretty much a beatdown. A 16, nearly 17-second win for Alex Pillow in the GMR Indy Grand Prix Saturday afternoon at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So what's next? Now stay tuned for the greatest spectacle in racing. The Indianapolis 500 is up next. Welcome to Trackside, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Kurt Cavan, Kevin Lee, Eddie Garrison is in our studios in downtown Indianapolis. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Twitter questions, comments are welcome. At Kevin Lee 23 throughout the evening, it's Indy 500 practice beginning tomorrow morning, weather permitting at 9 a.m. We'll take a peek at that again coming up before
1: we're done. How was your road course racing weekend, Kurt? Well, it was good, and, and I don't know that I said it on Friday show. It might have been Thursday, but I was talking about uh, IndyCar.com's little little roundtable discussion, which driver could sweep the month of May. I was on Alex Palou, and he sure delivered. Uh, I think he can now win the Indy 500 to go with the GMR Grand Prix. So the beatdown began, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have – Another Ganassi victory come May 28th. But, yeah, it was, good. it was a good day. It was an enjoyable race, enough excitement to keep everybody interested, and a good crowd. I thought that was a really good crowd for uh, the GMR Grand Prix, and I think that gets us warmed up for what's next. So let's talk about how the race was won, and in some ways I think it was won
0: on picking the right strategy. Certainly the car was good, but I think there were several good cars so Pillow took the lead from the pole sitter, Christian Lundgaard, 21 years old, won the pole. Big weekend for him and a big bounce back for Rahal and lanigan Took the lead on lap one and then pretty much controlled the race. So here's what Pillow did differently. He was the only one in the top seven qualifying positions starting the race on the Reds. And the only one finished in the top six to use one set of Reds. So, you know, we always hear it's a red race, it's a black race. And in the past, this has been a red race. But we started hearing from drivers after practice. They get a little bit of a sense in the Friday morning, but they don't really know because the track is still a little bit green. But it's after the warm up. I'm sorry, on Friday morning, the first practice. And then after the warm up on Saturday, when the track is more rubbered in, and you've got a little better read on things, plus you've seen the tire deg and qualifying, that's when it was, uh uh-oh, I don't know if we can really make the Reds last a full stint. And if you qualified in the top six, that means your second set of Reds already has three, four laps on them from running and qualifying. So that's what Pillow did, decided, I'm only going to run the Reds once, I'm going to run the sticker set at the beginning and then I'm done with it. And that's what separated him from everybody else the rest of the way. Or at least he might have won the race either way. But that's how he won by 17 seconds, I think.
1: Yeah, when you win by 17 seconds, pretty much everything you was everything you were doing was, was the right thing to do. But, you know, not just the decision for one set of red tires in the race, but that first stint allowed him to go from, what, third to first uh, to get the lead. On that first lap, he passed uh, Felix Rosenquist going into turn one and then later in the lap coming off 14, I believe is where he got Christian Lundgaard. But the point is he he was able to use those, those fresh new red tires to get the lead to build a little bit of a cushion for himself, what, four or five seconds. And that really set him up pretty well for the rest of the race. Of course, cautions, if they fall, you know, significantly different, potentially could have changed you know a lot of things but uh good decision by chip ganassi racing and you know i there was a a twitter question paul dalby uh fielded this question in field of what field of 33 is his twitter handle when was the last time somebody had a beat down like this that was alex below <laughs> back mm-hmm. in uh Back in September at Laguna Seca, and he only won by 30 seconds. So Alex is capable of some of these beatdowns, and he delivered another one on this, on this particular weekend. Other big
0: days, uh, Errol McLaren finishing second, third, fifth, maybe long-term, first, second, second. Third, fifth, because we all think Alex Pillow is going to be their driver next year. But Pato Awards finished second three times. He's second in the championship. Oh, by the way, Pillow is now the championship leader, and it's it's still quite tight. I think notable for Rossi getting his first podium with Chevy and his first podium with Errol McLaren. Worth noting, too, not only is he adjusting, but it's kind of one of the things we talked about when Marcus Erickson joined Ganassi. That's a new program. The team is not new. But all the crew people are added on, so that takes a little bit of time. So I would think they feel all things considered pretty good with where that is at this point. And then how do we measure Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan? I think ultimately it's positive, but not nearly as positive as it felt coming into the weekend or coming coming into Saturday after what they did on Friday.
1: Well, it's it's still a difficult you know, climb back up through the through the rankings, and I think they obviously must feel much better than they did. They not only qualified yep. three cars in the top eight. You know, you had Loongard, who was you know championship a race winning worthy. He was he was uh, really the only guy up in the first you know two thirds of the race that could run with Polo. So Lungard finishes fourth. Graham finishes tenth, so that's still a, a reasonable effort for him. Those two are the only two non Big Four teams in the top ten, so those two, you know, climb pretty well. And honestly, I think we might have seen a different Jack Harvey performance, but he goes into that lap six restart and cooks the front tire um, under braking, and you know that that he sank like a rock after that. So you know, then he has to come to pit. Uh, pit road and and that takes him sort of out of out of rotation and he never really recovered. So, you know that that lockup under braking, you know, really impacted the rest of his race. So you really have two in the top ten. It's not great, but it's certainly better than we've seen from them. I think they've still got to be yep. very pleased moving forward. Well, that they had pace that starts it,
0: um, and, and I think you what happened to Graham was taking contact at the start of the race. So it it could have been a different result for him. And, you know, I guess the more you think about it, finishing 10th was awesome for Graham, considering he's last or close to it, not last because, and and it worked out that if the the two coin cars don't crash together, fighting with Grosjean and they get the yellow, then he's in big trouble. So that's what saved him because um, he had already gone to the back, had to come in and get a new tire Uh, And then he was able to come in and top off again on lap four, which a few people did. And so what Rahal did, and we weren't sure if he was going to be able to make it on fuel, he, he saved the entire race and got home and back on strategy. So after that, he only did two pit stops. He basically went from lap four to the end of the race on two pit stops and everyone else needed three. And only did four extra laps. So that was a massive fuel save for Graham Rahal to be able to get that done. And and while, yeah, the, the flat spot did send Jack back from uh, fourth to ninth, it, you know, it was the spin on lap 30 that, kind of set him back and took him out of contention or, you know, I think he still was in position to get a, a little bit of a lap 10, but he said, I think his quote after the race was, it was really confusing. I'm not sure what happened from there. So I think the car was not handling well leading up to the spin at that point. So, yeah, I would agree a step forward and there's nothing. I know he's disappointed, but there should be nothing to be really upset about for Christian Lungard. You finished fourth. That's a, that's a pretty good day and you showed ultimate pace with a pull in this race. Dixon was maybe even better than where he showed, finishing sixth. He got caught up in the early incidents, two or three of them, that sent him back to 17th in the first lap or two, just avoiding contact, and then raced his way back forward. Joseph Newgarden finishing seventh. Uh, he mentioned on the broadcast that they had a slow last pit stop that cost seven or eight seconds, so was probably going to be better than that. Uh, Andretti Autosport had just a very, at best, average day. Colton Herta was fifth, but he said they just couldn't figure out the tires. They were confused by the tires, and he dropped from fifth to ninth on the last stint, and one of those that could not make the Reds last at all. Grosjean recovered to 11th. He got banged around a little bit in one of those that had to come in at the start of the race. Um... Who else stands out there? You know, you got two teammates coming together uh, in the two coin cars. Another rough day for Meyer Shank racing, not getting any butter on that front. Um, And, you know, I guess what surprised me a little bit from going into the weekend is normally we see Ed Carpenter
1: racing good at this track as well. And they weren't particularly strong. They never had pace. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't in that uh, rundown mention Scott McLaughlin, who I thought would have been somebody who would have been up in that lead group. But the Team Penske cars weren't all that great. Joseph ran reasonably well, as as noted, uh, but not a whole lot from Will Power or or, um, or Scott McLaughlin in this case. So interesting about that. Does it? By the way, I'm just asking out loud because it. It just occurred to me as you were discussing Colton Herta and not being able to make the Reds last. Doesn't that feel like that's been a familiar refrain from him? It feels like we hear that a lot that couldn't make, you know, we got to come in, got to pit, got to pit, can't hang on to these. Uh, It seems like we've had two or three of these races so far in the first five that that's been a problem for him. Well, I'm looking at my
0: notes and I have that in my notes from Barber. Struggled to make the Reds work in the first stint of of his two stops. So there's one. You know, I remember that in his rookie season. Uh, maybe it was Portland late in the season. And then the feeling was that they got it figured out. But I saw it in Colton's quote distributed by the team basically said, we need to talk to Firestone. We, we're not figuring things out. We're not understanding this. So I don't know if that's passing the buck or what the situation is. Now, I know this, that people were surprised that how much different the wear was this year compared to last year in May. You know, you can understand that it being a little bit different in August because the conditions are usually different. It's going to be hotter or maybe it was July last year for the Brickyard. It's bounced back and forth. But it's as I said, it's been a red race. And this year, I've got the tire chart somewhere, but not many successfully. Like, like I said, only the driver that dominated the race used three sets of the harder compound of the primary tire. Uh, now, Pato got a set of reds to last, uh, used reds to last 17 laps and then went 22 on a sticker set that he saved to the very end. Um, most people tried two sets of reds, but clearly the winning strategy was the one set. And there were people that like like Colton Herta that were struggling on that second set. And I had notes from others from people that finished farther back in the pack. Is that well, we just couldn't make the reds last at all, and we we lost a lot of time. Uh, so that yeah, that's certainly something to look at for Colton Herta. Um What else do we take from this particular race? Well, you know, the Hunkless-Hollinger yeah, but- cars were not were not. They didn't have a really a
1: very good weekend. Um. Yeah, I was going to mention that Canapino ran in front of Cal Milot most of the race, so uh, that was good on on uh, Canapino. Again, he's finishing you now. Granted, the two Dale Coin cars took themselves out, or one of them took both of them out, but. You know, going back to Canapino's first season, this is his fifth race, and he finishes ahead of seven drivers uh, or six drivers. Uh, Regardless of how it happens, it's still pretty impressive that he's had a good start to his IndyCar Series career and really ran within a reasonable distance here. Of He's on the same lap and, and not that far behind his teammates. So let's see, what was it, six seconds over, you know, uh, nearly two hours of racing so good good on him and we didn't really get much out of kyle kirkwood that's another one that uh, for example you didn't mention i kind of thought marcus armstrong would have a stronger race he finished kirkwood and armstrong finishes 14th and 15th you know we talked about this on friday about how how really disappointed maybe it was we talked about it uh, yeah it was friday after qualifying armstrong thought he should have made the fast six and you know we had this conversation on the show about how he's he kind of gets you know he he's he's pretty locked into thinking that he should be in the five fast six on a regular basis or at least more often yeah and and really yeah, he didn't have much to show it, on it, this day it, his His tone is interesting, and I'm not going to say I know him
0: super well, but I remember talking with him on the air after the uh Long Beach race which whatever he finished we felt like that was pretty good considering his experience and it was more like eh, yeah I should be better than this um so that's good that means he has a lot of confidence and isn't taking anything for granted but he expects to come in here and win whereas I think we kind of look at it like hey these guys you're racing are pretty good and they've got more experience than you so uh 8th 10th 11th that's really good but you're right he was not a factor in the race and for Kirkwood I know he lost two or three spots at the start, but you know what happened to him was the contact with Will Power, which he was penalized for, and that's debatable. I know some people – so the shot we saw on television, I think it had already started, but it was mentioned that some felt you could argue that Will Power drove him off the road, and then he's just looking for a place to get back on the road because he's in the grass and you're out of control at that point, and then he makes contact with Power. But he got the uh, avoidable contact – Penalty, not a drive-through, which is really, really painful, but you've got to fall behind Power, and because Power lost a lot of time, he had to give up something like seven positions and a lot of track time, so he had a long way to go to get back to 14th, so that's what kind of decided his race, but he was had the best pace of the Andretti cars, just to get to sixth in qualifying was a pretty good showing. Let, let's talk about the event. You touched on this. And I would agree with you. And this, you know, I I don't know about numbers. I don't know how you count at a place like that. I saw Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Stars tweet, uh, I think, citing someone from Penske Entertainment, that they felt like this was the biggest crowd since maybe 15 for this race and something like 50,000 for race day and 70,000 for the two days. And I think I could buy that. It just felt it looked better. Uh than in recent years, and it felt big. The paddock was really crowded. Getting places was difficult. It took a long time, relatively speaking, to get out of the track. And you know, I kind of kicked around the idea that hey if if IndyCar is able to add a race or two, especially if they add two, then they might be in a position where we might need to cut one, and if everybody else is good, As far as your other promoters and your locations, if you don't feel like you want to do more than 18 races, then the one to cut from would be the duplicate race, the two that are identical. Which one would it be? And I'm not sure I ever landed on which one I thought it was. But now I'm feeling more that, no, this this should not go away. You're not getting 50,000 people as much as I want to make a big deal out of the opening of Indy 500 practice, even if it's on a Saturday I, I fear you're probably not getting 50,000 these days for an Indy 500 opening practice. Well, and
1: it had a pre-race vibe, which, you know, I don't remember yeah. some of those th- some of those GMR Grand Prix in, you know, 16, 17, 18, and, and I may have the, the years mixed up, but there have been some of those, you know, kind of early years where it just didn't quite feel like it had giddy up, and this one did. Uh, and I looked down the front straightaway, I was on pit road, About 20, 30 minutes before the start of the race. And you, it looked pretty, pretty thick down there towards, as you move toward turn four. I know the mounds look good. The the new mounds that were put on the inside of Oval Four, that was outstanding. So, yeah, I thought it I thought it had the necessary vibe. And, you know, it's a good wake up call to start the the month uh, to remind people of of what we're doing and and how we're going to do it and how we do things through the course of a season, not always on the oval. So, yeah, I thought it. I thought it, it, it was good. And the other thing to keep in mind, and I think this is really fair, in part because I had a text with two different individuals on this topic, is that about nine o'clock in the morning. The weather forecast wasn't great. It did look like we might have some some inclement weather that might make sitting outside not that much fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, so these texts with with friends of mine were basically to the effect of, hey, you know, if you come great, if I don't see you and you choose not to, I'll understand. And, you know, you'd like to see them, But the point is people came and and despite the kind of shakiness of the weather pattern. It's that's a good turnout means you 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 might have lost some people uh, toward the, you know, making that decision. Well, it's still a challenge to educate
0: fans coming to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway that this race runs in the rain. So we had a sweet. And I had multiple people text me and say, will Jackson's race still happen if it's raining? And yeah, yes, it will. No, a, do- a downpour. No, it won't. But rain is fine. So you know, that's kind of why that's one of the, I think, advantages of this race weekend. We're still trying to sell IndyCar, IndyCar as a whole, not the Indy 500, but IndyCar to Indianapolis. It is still a bit of a hidden gem, even in this community, which uh nationally out-of-towners think oh you've got indianapolis and not, unfortunately not so it's colt's town it's pacer's town it's an indiana university town it's an indy 500 town i'd like to see it be more of an IndyCar town and that's one of the reasons why i like doing this show this is a way that we kind of talk IndyCar car all year round uh and so forth so um I love the event. I thought it had good feel. It was a good way to kick off the month of May. And that'll lead into this question from Mike Wyckoff 3 at Kevin Lee 23 and at Kurt Cavan. How does the attendance at the GMR Grand Prix compare to races like Long Beach and St. Pete? I see people posting on social media who are watching it on television say there are no fans for the race by the looks of the stands. But I know by attending races that the mounds are packed.
1: Well, it's uh, as you mentioned a minute ago. It's really difficult to say that, and it's not just an IMS. It's really difficult at all these these uh, road courses and street circuits to get a true handle on you know what's really real in terms of attendance figures and what's not. Just off the hunch, I would say that Long Beach was bigger, and I would say that IMS this race was comparable to st pete now i have no way bigger. of yeah if i was gonna say if not bigger uh but it's really difficult to say if it really is fifty
0: thousand, i think that's bigger than st pete on race day i don't know that they're
1: getting 50 in there on race day maybe and it's they not are because of it's just because it's a smaller it's a smaller venue yeah footprint yeah
0: there's, there's only so many grandstand seats that they have at St. Pete and Detroit and most other places. You know, let's, let's go down the schedule. Um, if it is 50,000 and IMS probably knows, I'm, I'm sure they know. And I, I don't know where, where that estimate came from. Um, but that makes it probably pretty high on the attendance list. For the season. I don't know what Barber is. You know, we know it's bigger than Texas. Uh, I'm trying to find a schedule here. It would it would be bigger. It
1: it would be bigger than Barber. They don't have grandstands. You know, I mean, there's only so many people so many places. Bigger than Detroit.
0: It's probably bigger than mid Ohio. There's some days mid Ohio gets a pretty good crowd, but you know, it's probably thirty some thousand there. It's bigger than Toronto at this point. Um, if you pack Iowa, isn't that 30-ish? Somewhere in that yeah, range? It's, it's bigger than Iowa. Nashville could be bigger, especially the first year. That would be bigger than Gateway. Certainly bigger than Portland. And many, many times bigger than Laguna Seca. So, I think it's the third biggest crowd of the year. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it very well might be. Yeah. Um, You know, Texas has the has the number of grandstands to to bring in people now. They haven't had I I, I can't imagine they've had a crowd bigger than that in a while. I don't know how long a while means, but I think you're right. I think it very conceivably could be the third biggest. I go back to St. Pete. I just don't think the footprint, you know, most of the street race in St. Pete is lost for spectators because there's no place to kind of be. You know what I mean? That from turn three all the way down to kind of when they come back at turn nine and ten, there's really no place for a spectator to be. Yeah. Relatively. You speaking. need to be in the stands. Yeah, it's it's so, it's tough there. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's get to more of your questions coming up in a moment, what we missed from the Grand Prix, and we start talking about practice. We are talking about practice for the Indianapolis 500. It starts tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. It's 93.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: This is Trackside, brought to you by Lux Air Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: May in Indianapolis means racing, including big-time racing on the dirt at Circle City Raceway on their all-new clay surface. And Friday night, it's the second annual CJ Rayburn tribute, $10,000 to win super late models and Boss 410 sprints. And then May 24th and 25th, it's the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. Discounts for military, first responders, veterans, seniors, and teachers. Tickets and info at circlecityraceway.com
1: well what's our news of the day today from circle city raceway well we learned from marcus erickson and other sources of course including nbc that a new film is out about marcus's indy 500 victory it's called unleashing the dragon and it's out now on nbc sports and the youtube channel uh here within the u.s and the film will be released in sweden because i know we've got a lot of uh Swedish listeners across uh, the many platforms that you find this show, including uh, 1075thefan.com. The film uh, comes out May 20th in Sweden, but it'll be really an easy watch. And I I can't wait to see it myself. So Unleashing the Dragon on uh, NBC's YouTube page. All right, I'm going to
0: look for a note because we did get a company-wide email today on that. And and Marcus was telling me a little bit. So uh, Ganassi Public Relations organized. We we do this usually once a season with most of the teams that like to get the broadcasters together with the drivers. So that was pretty cool. We went to dinner with Marcus and uh, Scott Dixon and Alex Palou and Takuma Sato with the on-air staff on Friday night downtown and I I sat across from Takuma Sato and it's probably the longest I've talked to Takuma uh and and just kind of learned more about his life you know he's a a relatively private person publicly but he shared a lot of insight and some things and we talked about what's going on in his world and then Marcus was sitting across from me as well and we, we touched on that and I like this approach that um you know, it, it honestly surprised me a little bit that it's not Peacock exclusive. So this is available on YouTube that anyone can get. There's no subscription blockage there. And YouTube, frankly, is a revenue stream. Uh, if you get enough views on YouTube, that that can work. And I, I like the way this is being distributed. And I'm looking forward to having the opportunity when time permits of being able to see that. Here's what I also learned. And maybe I'll use this as our uh, uh, Twitter. I like to have a picture for our promo on social media. Uh, so we're s- sitting at dinner and Marcus's phone is on the table and you know how you flash when you get a text or something. And if you're like me and you listen to podcasts off your phone, off of uh, Apple iTunes, it, when one downloads, when one becomes available, it pops up. So we're sitting there and he holds up his phone to me and his trackside alert comes in that he is a regular subscriber to track side, He said, Hey, when are you going to have me on the show? And I said, champ, you're invited anytime you want to come. So I feel like that's a, a, it's not a hundred percent because I always leave an out for people for the burger bash because they have a lot of places, but I feel good about Marcus joining us next Monday night, a week from tonight at the prime 47 burger bash benefiting the IU Simon comprehensive cancer center at the USAC building. Don't get confused just because, It says Prime 47 in the title. That just means they're bringing the food to us. It's in the USAC back parking lot. It's free. And then if you want free Prime 47 food and drink, uh, then $100 VIP tickets. And what? Basicandsimple.org, I think, is where you can find a donation link or go to my Twitter. I have it on there. JacksonLeeRacing.com has a Burger Bash page as well here's the other thing i learned kurt you know i've thrown out my theories about what marcus's options are and how i think he has some and how i think he is going to be paid next year um <laughs> so he's heard all of my theories and he, he doesn't disagree with any he didn't say you're wrong on anything uh basically yeah it, it's it's either going to be he's going to get uh uh More of a deal to the liking of what Scott Dixon has. I'm not saying money-wise. We didn't talk about that. But it's not going to be bringing budget. And there are people that are going to be offering him rides, quality rides as well. So I would say stay tuned for that moving forward. Uh, One other nugget, too. I saw this last week and then I saw it posted again today. And I think while it's an NFL thing, I think it's good for the business of IndyCar racing to try to get more eyeballs on some things we're doing and I'll be curious how this is received the NFL is going to have an
1: exclusive game on Peacock this coming season yeah what is that a wild card game so that'll be a not only a game but yeah I think it's a wild card game so I thought it was uh, a late regular season game Ooh, even more information So it's um, I'll see if I can find that here while I'm talking. The other thing I would say, by the way, about the Marcus movie is if you want to find the link, if you look on Twitter under under Marcus's uh, posting, uh, then that's that he he provides the link. So so the point is, it's 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 easy to find that way. Yeah. Peacock will be NBC
0: Sports YouTube,
1: NBC Sports YouTube page. Yeah. Peacock will air a wild card playoff game exclusively. So that that's not just uh, let's show a game. That's Saturday, January 13th. It's an afternoon game. It'll air, uh, what the, this says, the afternoon wild card game that day will air on NBC and Peacock. NBC and Peacock will also air the wild card game in prime time the next day. The NFL's exclusive deal with Peacock. Hmm, this seems to indicate that it's on both. That doesn't seem right.
0: Anyway. So um, I saw something last week and I thought I took a screen grab late last week and it was actually posted by an executive at NBC. Here it is. So this is what I'm looking at. So what you have is new news. This was posted by um, NBC Sports social media page um, when the schedule was announced last Thursday night. Uh, NBC Sunday Night Football features the best in America. Peacock is the exclusive home to the NFL game for the first time on Saturday, December 23rd. Bill's Chargers. That is a regular season game. Bill's Chargers, Peacock, December 23rd. So I do not have information about an exclusive playoff game. Um, so I so cannot pro- uh, confirm or deny what you're saying.
1: Well, this is a tweet just a little while ago from Pro Football Talk. Their website uh, on their social media says that it will be uh, this season. Peacock will have a first ever exclusive live streamed NFL playoff game. So yep, I'm seeing that Adam Schefter has tweeted that
0: uh first ever live playoff game nfl wild card game primetime saturday january 13th so okay sounds like two of them one late regular season one in january and that'll go over well with the masses so but it'll sure. be good for us it just makes it more mainstream and it, it gets more eyeballs and subscribers to peacock and helps the business model so that is good all right a couple of other tweets jason Hatfield says st Pete feels more crowded, but much smaller footprint. But that looked like the biggest crowd I've seen out there for the Grand Prix. Friday had a great crowd. Buzz about it, too. Nathan says they said last year had about 200,000 over three days, and this year was even higher. So I would say they definitely were over 50K for the race. I don't well, – I'm not sure what race he's talking about. There, there could this not – I don't. They don't hey, they this was a 2 They haven't announced 200,000 – and and they they wouldn't announce 200000 for two, three, five days for the Grand Prix weekend. So maybe Long Beach had close to that. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have you, Nathan, there. You're going to have to clear that one up for us. Um, hey, I should mention this, too. Uh, I should uh, give an update on how our driver did. Uh, I would say mixed and frustrating. But the good news is uh, he was fast. And Jackson is uh, showing that he actually was ready to move up to this this next level. He was generally top 10, I think, Friday, or maybe that was Thursday in practice. He was fourth on the no-toe report and was eighth or ninth without the toe. Qualified ninth. First race, he said he had just a little bit of a maybe an issue with his brakes, but he also made a couple of mistakes as well. Uh, finished ninth in that mixed race, so that was... Okay, but he felt like there was more. And then Saturday started ninth based off lap times from Friday and got to eighth. I think lost a couple of spots, got to eighth pretty quickly. And then as they're getting up to speed, had the fastest lap going, was the fastest time when they had a caution on lap three or four. And they went around for three laps or so under caution as they're about to go green. He just coasts to a stop. Apparently, there is a speed sensor, which is only delivers data to your car, you know, and tells you how fast you're going. But there is uh, something that if it fails, it shuts the car off. Now, that would make sense if it's to protect the engine, but I'm told it doesn't protect anything And it's the third time it's happened to us, uh, to other cars this year. And that wire is close to the brakes. And during long cautions, you're trying to keep the brakes heated up. So to me, not knowing anything about mechanics kind of seems like a design (laughs) failure on there, that they might want to move that or create something that it doesn't kill your race just from the fact that you would lose the ability to see uh, telemetry on your onboard video and so forth. But anyway... So you get whatever you can. You were the fastest. And he he felt like he might have had a podium car in that race. And the um, two kids that were a kid right behind him and a kid in front of him finished second and third at the time. But it was good. Our our. Partners had a great time in the suite. Uh, We connected some businesses with other businesses, and I think we might have added new partners that will help the season extend a little bit farther. So that was a good weekend, and we are, I think he's on track at Lucas Oil Raceway tomorrow, testing uh, on the Oval to get ready for carb night. Joseph Hall has a comment. This documentary is outstanding that you're speaking of, and I believe Brad said it best. Concerning his dad, all the days at the track with his dad, those are memories we can all share uh as well so i've missed another tweet in that so oh i think it must be talking about brad goldberg uh the engineer for marcus erickson and i know he and marcus have a, a very close relationship here's a question for you from sean newman kurt is there any reason to believe that msr will turn around with the speedway configuration for the cars or does
1: it seem as though they'll struggle there too well I, i'm not ready to to, to predict a poor Indy 500 for this group. Remember, Elio uh, is using his race-winning car this month. So, you know, if it if it ran well, uh, then it's got a shot to r- run well this this month. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I had a discussion with somebody today about. You know, team performances, not necessarily it wasn't a Meyer Shank discussion, but, oh, this happened on the IMS road course and this happened at Barber and this team should be this and that as we get to the oval. And I I just said, which one of those races was a big oval that they run 230 miles an hour at? The point is, we don't know. We don't know. We've not seen anything on the big oval this season. We had one day of testing. And in that particular case, it looked like we were going to have two days. So maybe teams didn't didn't do everything they they wanted to do that particular day. We've got four days of practice before two days of qualifying another track day and a and a carb day practice. And then we run 500 miles. So anything that has happened so far this season, irrelevant to to how to how May 28th goes. They weren't that far
0: off. Michael Shank said, we need to give them a better card next year. They weren't that far off last year. So I, I do think that they're, um, it's TBD. Paul asks, Ray Hall ended the race with 185 seconds of push to pass, far more than the other top runners. If you were his team boss, would you consider this shows enough fight or is it realistic that he only had 15 seconds of close wheel-to-wheel combat during the whole race? No, Paul, he was saving fuel the whole race. So when you use push to pass, it's not just that you have 200 seconds. When you use push to pass, it burns more fuel. And as and and I know you tweeted this early before the show, so you didn't hear us talk about this, but he had to save fuel the entire race. And he basically made up about, uh, I would say, six laps because you could take the first stop at lap 10 and save just a little bit the rest of the way, To do it on more stops. Well, he took that stop on lap four. So he, as they like to say, made six laps of fuel. So that's why he didn't use any push to pass. James Clark and others asked, will this affect the 100 Days to Indy series? It's the news of uh, Vice filing bankruptcy. This is no different than the questions we got two weeks ago. There were reports of it. Now it is confirmed. So they're looking for sellers. And we're told this is not going to affect anything. I taped with them today. And that was for episode five of the six so this is happening and i hear there's still a chance that it might continue as well all right we'll see what we missed and get you set for indy 500 practice too coming up next on trackside this is whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you Alex Below, and you're listening to Truckside. Final segment, and we are ready to go racing tomorrow at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
1: Opening day of Indy 500 practice. What's the schedule, Kurt? Well, we're going to have C cars on the track tomorrow at uh, 9 a.m., and that'll be all the veterans. And we've got one car that'll do rookie orientation, and that will be R.C. Enerson. It is 9 to 11.15. We just talked about that a little bit during the break. You'll see the uh, 1 to 3 for R.C. Enerson and 3 to 6 an all skate. That'll be on uh, IndyCar Radio Network and Peacock all day. Gates open at 8.00. And we are on Peacock all day
0: as well. We will get the break from 11.15 until 1. But the R.C. Enerson Show, if you think you don't know R.C. Enerson, you're going to know him by tomorrow. It's all R.C. all the time from 1 to 3. So here's what we're going to do. Hinch and I are going to leave the booth and come down to the green room, and we're going to invite guests to come in. So we'll follow what R.C. is doing with his rookie orientation, and then we will also be chatting with different drivers in that time and then head back up the booth when it's an all-skate. So should be fun. Hoping the weather holds out. There is a chance of rain. I haven't looked. I'll look at the weather tomorrow morning uh, because, remember, it was supposed to rain all day last Friday and it rained for five minutes. So... We'll cross our fingers and hope for the best. And either way, we'll be back tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Uh, up next, Beyond the Bricks with Mike and Jake. They're looking back at the 80s. For Eddie Garrison, for Kurt, I'm Kevin. It's 93.5, The Fan.